Father of Christmas as much as I used to. I thought yesterday was great. I was hoping that'd last maybe until about Thursday afternoon or Friday. I had a really good day yesterday. Um, my Romans class already knows this, but uh, I barely got here, held the door for a young man, and he said, good morning, Governor Walker. <laughs> and I thought I maybe misunderstood him. I said, good morning, how you doing, sir? What is that you said? He said, good morning, Governor Walker. I said, yes, good morning. <laughs> and went on my way. I came back. And right before lunch, wouldn't you know it, he was there again with his classmates. And I walked by and said, hi, Governor Walker. Good to see you again. The rest of the kids there were girls. Now, I'm not making any analogy necessarily, but um, <laughs> I said, that's not Governor Walker. And then I felt pretty bad that I hadn't cleared it up earlier. <laughs> I was circling back around the hallway just to go by him and have him say it one more time, but yeah. You folks have some amazing days ahead of you. They will be intense, but God will give you grace, and he will help you, and I encourage you to be both faithful and committed to the classes that you're taking this block, but also to the work that God has for you to do. Uh, it is amazing what God is producing in this college, and I trust that you will be one of those that God uses to do significant things for his glory in days to come. I want to ask you this question to get you to think, what will make you different than your classmates that are here? Experiencing the same things, seeing the same prayers answered, what will make you different from them 10 years from now? And there will be a difference. And I think all of us know and have heard the stories of young men and young ladies in college that would have been voted most likely to succeed. And it's not long and they're not even in the ministry, not serving God, not doing anything for God's glory. And sometimes those that don't seem like they have much potential continue on and are faithful and God uses them in significant ways. What was the difference? Now the answer could be a number of different things, but I want to emphasize something for you this morning that has captured my heart again. In fact, the passage I'll preach from is the first passage that I preached from when I preached at Falls Baptist at a youth conference years ago. First time I ever preached here, I believe, I preached from that passage. It wasn't, uh, well, I don't even know what it was. There's a bunch of kids there, teenagers, some kind of a family conference or something. But I want you to think about this concept God's favor. God's favor. We find it interesting that Mary was told by the angel that she had found favor with God. Luke 1 and verse 30. We find in Luke 2 and verse 52 that Jesus Christ grew. And he grew in favor with God and with man. It wasn't the right verse. It's uh, Luke, yeah, Luke 2.52. 
Well, that's, that's, uh, where am I here? Okay. I'm using my old and very familiar Bible, and I still can't find the right place. Luke 2.52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. In Acts, we find that the church found that same favor. In Acts 2 and verse 47, we read that the church was praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And then in Acts 4 and verse 33, as they begin to receive that focus and that promise of persecution, they had a prayer meeting and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace, same word that's been used in the other three verses that we've quoted, great grace was upon them all. I want to ask you a question. Do you believe in the favor of God? Do you desire it? Have you ever asked for it? Let's bow our heads together in prayer, and then we're going to try to overwhelm you with the reality of God's favor. I pray, Father, that you'd use your word this morning to challenge those that are here both faculty and staff and student body. Lord, I don't claim to understand this subject fully, nor do I claim to know and experience the favor of my God as I ought to. But I have seen those times when you have clearly and specifically shown your favor. In my personal life, in the ministries that I've been involved in, I believe I've seen your favor here, and I thank you for it. Lord, it is amazing to see a ministry such as this, where you answer prayers, where you hear the pleads of your people, where you do above and beyond what we could ask or think. And time and again, you show yourself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward you. I pray, Lord, that you would cause us to have at least an appetite for your favor. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Proverbs 22 and verse 1. Loving favor is rather to be chosen than silver and gold. Proverbs 12 and verse 2. A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord. Psalm 5 and verse 12. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous... With favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. Proverbs 14 and verse 9, Among the righteous there is favor. I'm only trying to impress you with one thing. God talks about it an awful lot. I'm not done. I just wanted to stop and make sure that you get your focus and that you are paying attention to what God says. Psalm 30 and verse 5, In his, God's favor, is life. If we consider many of the Bible characters that we would consider our favorite, some of those that we enjoy hearing taught about and preached about time and again, those that we enjoy telling others about, Joseph found in Egypt, in Potiphar's house, favor. Acts 7, verses 9 and 10, And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him and delivered him out of all his afflictions, and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. 
Genesis 39, 21, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Genesis 6 and verse 8, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Moses in Exodus 33 and verse 13 said, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. Speaking of Israel, as they left Egypt, Exodus 12 and verse 36 says, And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Gideon in Judges 6 and verse 17 says, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Now you're hearing the word grace, you're hearing the word favor, but it is the same word in the original language. It was favor that Ruth found when she went with Naomi, her mother-in-law, to Bethlehem, Judah. Ruth chapter 2 verse 10 says, Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, that is Boaz, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? That favor brought her handfuls of purpose. 1 Samuel 2 and verse 26, And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Acts 7 verses 45 and 46 says of David, David who found favor before God. Daniel 1 and verse 9 says, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Nehemiah said unto the king in Nehemiah 2.5, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of, of thy father's sepulchers, that I may build it. Nehemiah was funded and protected and sent with letters by the king to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Esther 2 in verse 17, And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Ashti. I believe it pleases God when we seek him for his favor. In Psalm 119, if you would turn there, that is the text for the message this morning. In Psalm 119, we see the psalmist, I believe David, not everybody agrees with that, crying out in this passage of Scripture, these eight verses, crying out for God's favor, Psalm 119. And we're looking at verses 57 through 64. Psalm 119, verses 67, or 57 through 64. Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. I want us to notice in this passage of Scripture, first of all, a verse that I have not read, and that is the destructive influence of the ungodly. In verse 61, David said, The bands of the wicked have robbed me that I have not forgotten thy law. Now I'm moving through this quickly because I'm trying to get to a point, but I want us to understand this morning that God has shown favor to a number of people. We've seen that in Scripture. Would you agree with me? God showed his favor to people. 
And now we find in Psalm 119 that David is saying, God is my portion. He is the one that has established David in a place, a position, a sphere of responsibility like any of you. We all have a kingdom whereby God wants to use us and he desires to bless us. God has those places marked out for us where he's going to use us and where he's going to put us and we're going to have an opportunity to impact other people. And David said, I recognize that you are my portion, but it seems to me, verse 61, that his mind was on something that he was admitting. He said, the wicked have robbed me. Now this is fascinating to me. Here's David, a man after God's own heart. He's writing this amazing psalm, and he says, God, the wicked have robbed me. He's not pretending. He's not acting like maybe it did happen, maybe it could happen. He said, it has happened. And I think that before we come to this place where we say, God, you're my portion, I want your favor, we need to recognize that there's things in our life that are keeping us from it. Now, David said it's the wicked that have robbed me, whether it was by their attitude and their disposition toward him that they were causing him problems, or whether it was their influence upon him, he recognized that the wicked have an opposing purpose to God. And so I'm just taking that thought to challenge us this morning to recognize that there can be things in our life that keep us from God's favor, that rob us from all that God wants for us. And to me, it would be a disaster to be in a college such as you have here with the focus that you have and the confidence in God that is communicated and expressed and the blessings of God that you have experienced in the past and then come short of all that God has for you because you do not understand He's your portion. Not the friends you hang out with. He's your portion. Not the ability and talent that you have. He's your portion. Not the academic excellence that you receive. All those things are important, but if you do not have God, you have absolutely nothing. For Christ said, without me, ye can do nothing. So we are not preaching against the idea of doing all that you can to develop and prepare your talent and do all that you can to to achieve academic excellence and do all that you can to build godly relationships and do all that you can to minister to those around you. But in the end, we've got to come back to this one fact that God is the source of favor. Now, we do have favor with men. We understand that, but I'm challenging us with this reality that God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, but we have a responsibility to seek Him. David was conscious of the destructive reality in his life, the potential, not just the potential, but the reality that the wicked had robbed him. But I have not forgotten thy law. Now I want to get to the message content specifically and cause you to focus on verses 57 through 60. First of all, if we want to have God's favor, I'm saying what we need to do is make a defining choice. First of all, we need to acknowledge that God is the source. He said, Lord, you're my portion. Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. Having admitted that there were evil men that had robbed him, he comes to God and he says, God, you're my portion. 
Men have purposes against the people of God all the time, but that doesn't keep David from recognizing that he can experience God's portion. He knows that it's absolutely possible, and he seeks God for it, so he acknowledges the source of, of, of his favor, and that is God. Many in the Bible recognize that God was their portion. These three are sufficient just to maybe get us refocused that direction. Elisha said, I want a double portion of what you have, Elijah. I want a double portion. He's following Elijah in those last moments of his life from place to place and place to place. And Elijah says, why don't you just stay here? And he said, I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you. And finally, Elijah turns and says, what do you want? And my impression is unashamedly, he said, I want a double portion. I want a double portion. Whatever you have, I want it. I want a double portion. Boaz said to his reapers, let some of the handfuls fall of purpose for Ruth, that she may glean them. She was experiencing favor. Jabez, though much has been done inappropriately with his testimony in those few verses that are written about him, said, God bless me indeed. I'm asking you, what's your desire? Are you satisfied with where you are? Are you satisfied with what you have? I think I heard a testimony yesterday, and there is this possibility that in the midst of God doing so many things and seeing prayers answered and souls saved and lives changed and all these things happening and God using us and God enabling us, that somehow we become totally satisfied with where we are, never recognizing we're still not exactly where God wants us. And David said, you're my portion. I acknowledge that you are the source of favor. And so secondly, he immediately comes, verse 58, with asking. He not only acknowledged, but he asked. He said, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. The psalmist was not afraid to beg. The word entreat carries with it the idea of becoming sick due to a burden to receive what is being asked for. He said, I am willing to make myself sick for this matter of having your favor on my life. I often start this message by asking, what do you pray for others and what do you pray for yourself? And we say a lot of things, but I've never had somebody say, and when I ask that question, I ask for God's favor. Almost seems arrogant. Almost seems self-serving. But the psalmist said, I know that you are the source of my portion. I know that you are my portion, and so I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to beg with you. I'm going to plead with you for your favor. Now, I don't know that the comments that I'm going to make right here are really that helpful to you, but hopefully they are and will cause you to connect with situations in your life. But many of you know that in April, the first I think it was April 4th or something like that of this year, Indiana Department of Transportation told us that they were going to take our church property. They were going to take it all. We were targeted for full acquisition. We would have to relocate. Now, truthfully, there's things about that that could excite us because we could rebuild the facility the way we wanted it and so on and so forth. But I met with some of the key staff and I said, we need to start asking God for his favor. 
I challenged our entire staff with this passage of Scripture, and I said we need to be willing to call out to God for His favor. Favor with contractors, favor with the Indiana Department of Transportation, favor with the mayor of the city, favor with the city council, favor with landowners that are around us, favor with architects, favor with those that may have some means of helping us in reference to this relocation. I asked the Indiana Department of Transportation, what percentage chance is there that we will actually move? I said, you are, are proposing a really expensive overpass into our church property. And two out of three that we talked to said 100%. And the other person said, well, with the Indiana Department of Transportation, never anything is a done deal. He said, but at least 95%. So we begin to prepare ourselves to move. We begin to contact landowners. We begin to talk to different people. And it seemed like nothing was happening. And I think I can honestly say I wasn't frustrated. I was kind of thinking like Thomas Edison. I know two or three places that aren't going to work. Which is basically what he said about the light bulb. Okay, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. The hospital has 90 acres of prime property. It would have been a perfect place for our facility. And they've already said they're not going to use it. We went and talked to them. We have a relationship with the person that manages that 90 acres of property. He said, we're not interested in talking about it. We're going to wait until after the interstates goes through, and then we'll decide what to do. Another closed door. Found another prime piece of property on Hess Road, and I thought, boy, this could really work. This would be ideal. You can get off on Highway 44. You can get off on Highway 252, and you'll be right there at our property. Well, it wasn't ours yet, but I had imagined it could be. Closed door. They weren't interested. And time after time, everything we pursued was a closed door. I thought, what is the Lord doing? In the meantime, a person that attended our church as a teenager moved to Minnesota, of all places, moved back to Indianapolis two years ago. He called me, and he's the vice president of a building company named Opus. And Rich Kaufman said to me, I hear you're going to move. Can I help you? I said, I'm sorry, we don't really have any money to do it. No, 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 I'm talking. Can I help you? He said, I want to do this for you. He said, we will get our architects, we will take your blueprints, we will load them onto our computer, digital copies, and we will look at the blueprints and we will evaluate what your property's worth so that you have a good defense in court so that when you relocate, they'll know what it would cost to remove your facility. He said, we'll do it all for you free of charge. Favor! All of a sudden, God is saying, I know your address. I didn't call him, he called me. And the favor of God began to manifest itself. Well, it was in September. They called a meeting. Didn't let anybody know ahead of time what it was, but we'd heard a rumor that they were not going to move our facility. Went to the meeting. It was during the revival week with Jerry Savinsky, and we could not possibly go to the meeting itself. I went there early. Usually they have maps all laid out of what their latest plans are. They said, no maps are going to be laid out until after the meeting. We're going to make the announcement first. I said, what's the announcement? They said, come over here. And the three people I've been talking to, two said 100%, one said 95%, you're moving. They said, you're not moving. We're not touching any of your property. Favor. Favor. And four days afterward, four days afterward, one of the people that, of, of a piece of property we've been trying to get for years, 
was standing out in front of our church on a Saturday night. This announcement was made on Tuesday. That Saturday night, he's standing there looking at Highway 37, looking up and down, and a man in our church said, can I help you? He didn't know who he was. He said, yeah. He said, I live over here in the White House, and he said, I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm trying to figure out how they're going to make this work and not touch your property. He said, well, I don't really know much about it. Pastor does. He said, well, we thought they were going to take our house too, and they're not going to take our house. Would you like our house? Now, don't text this and tweet it. Our, our, our church doesn't know this yet. But favor. The day after that, the property next to it that would be key to get those two pieces of property said, we think you can get this property too. Favor. We own a house. The next house next to that is a rental house, and somebody in the school came to us and said, we have rental property, we're going to approach this guy and give him one of our rental homes of his choosing, and then we will deed this one to you. Favor. Went out to Washington, D.C. here a few weeks ago and had the privilege of being in the Bible study that Mike Pence has set up in his office and sat there in his office. He wasn't there that day, but we had called his office when we heard in April that we were going to be moved, and we called his office. We said, we don't know what to do, and they responded back to us within minutes. Didn't call. We actually sent a message, a text message, and they texted back within minutes and said, call us at 4 o'clock. We called at 4 o'clock and talked to Lonnie's Mike Pence's right-hand man in reference to social relations or something like that. But he called us back. He said, what's going on? We said, they're going to take our church. Well, what do you want us to do? I said, would you talk to the Indiana Department of Transportation? Mike Pence had worked with him all the while on this I-69 project. He had a relationship with him. We knew he did. He said, you're asking a heart surgeon to do brain surgery, but he said, we'll give him a call. Well, he did call him, but he never told us what we said until I went out to that Bible study. He came over to us, and I said, hey, I, I don't know if you know, but they're not touching our property. He said, really? He said, I told them, you better take a good, long, hard look at that, at, that, at, at that interchange before you put any overpass there. There's a church there that we're interested in. <laughs> Favor. I don't know what influenced him. I don't have to know because, see, I have a God Amen. that likes to show favor. And I can say we were asking him for favor. So David asked because he admitted that God was the source of his favor. He wasn't going to people. He wasn't going to position individuals per se. He was saying, God, you're the source of favor. You work it out. I'm going to entreat you. I'm going to beg you. I'm going to plead with you that you would show me your favor. But as soon as we ask for something, as you well know, we have to seek mercy. Because quite frankly, we're not as right with God as we'd like to think we are. And just like that child that comes to their father and says, hey, dad, can I go to the ball game? Or, hey, dad, can we go hunting? Or, can we go fishing? Or, hey, dad, can we do whatever? And dad says, how are your grades at school? And immediately the child has to say, mercy. Oh, he doesn't use those words, but he says, well, dad, I know I, I didn't do very well in that biology test, but, but I'll study harder. I'll, I'll, I'll take my homework with me and study. He wants to go hunting. He's asking for favor, but as soon as he does, he knows he needs his dad's mercy. And so do you, and so do I. Don't come asking God for favor. Don't come recognizing that God is your portion if you are not willing to get on your face before God and say, God, please show me your mercy. I know I don't deserve it. Surely there's times you've come to God and you don't know how to start except to say, God, I have no business even asking you for this, where I am in my life right now. 
God, show me your mercy, but I do want your favor. And that's exactly what David did. And so here he said, I know you're my portion. I'm asking you for favor. I'm begging. I'm pleading. And so I am admitting my sin. Do you recognize that when God, people ask God for his favor, right with him, hearts perfect before him, amazing things happen? Noah built an ark to the saving of his household. Joseph was promoted to second in the kingdom and was able to save his family. Moses confounded the magicians of Egypt and led over two million across the desert, experiencing God's daily provision and victory over enemies. Israel conquered the Egyptian nation without physically fighting. Gideon was able, with 300, to defeat 135,000 Midianites. Samuel was one of the greatest prophets of Israel. David established the Israeli nation to be the greatest it ever was. Ruth the Moabite became the wife of Boaz, the great-great-grandmother of David, and in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Three Hebrews were delivered from a fiery furnace with Jesus Christ himself walking in the midst with them. Daniel escaped the mouths of hungry lions. Esther was used to save the entire Jewish population. Nehemiah built the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days, funded by a pagan king and protected by him. Mary was the mother of Jesus. There's a lot more stories, but I'm asking you today, what do you need? What do you need? Oh, not what do you want, not what do you selfishly desire. I'm asking you, what do you need today? Emotionally, physically, spiritually, ministry-wise, relationally, that God's favor would not take care of. What do you need right now? that God's favor would not take care of. Do you recognize God as your portion? Are you willing to ask Him? Are you willing to admit your sin? If that's the case, then the Bible goes on to say that we need to adjust our way. If we recognize that our life isn't what it ought to be, then verse 59, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. Oh, listen to me, young people. I, I'm, I'm no different than you are. We get to this place in our life where God is using us and things are happening and we see some of God's favor and we see God work in unique ways. And some of you gave testimony yesterday about Him supernaturally enabling you and strengthening you in reference to the concert that you had last week. And He's going to do the same this weekend. You can count on it. Your God is faithful, but let's be ready to adjust our ways, make haste. Because not everything is right. Not everything is right. And I'm not saying that accusingly. I'm just saying, check up on yourself. You want God's favor. Ask yourself what needs to be adjusted. He said, I made haste and turned my feet onto your ways. I was going like this and going through life, and I thought everything was fine, and all of a sudden I needed God's help, and I recognized he was my portion. The wicked had robbed me, but I went to God, and I said, you're my portion, and I began to beg him and ask him, and as soon as I did, I saw my sin, and I turned my feet onto his ways, and I walked in his ways. I purposed to honor him so that God could pour out the fullness of his blessing upon me. We have to start by asking God for his favor. But we need to be willing and ready to respond when God shows us there's something in our life that isn't quite what it ought to be. 
Most of us are satisfied to live mostly for God, but not quite sell out to Him. And so in my mind, it makes sense that I am the companion, verse 63, of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. David said, I'm going to adjust my friendships. I'm going to adjust my relationships. I'm going to adjust my activity. And I'm going to make those who love God be the ones that I love. I'm not going to take advantage of God's mercy. The earth is full of his mercy. But I'm going to seek God and ask him to do what he wants to do in my life. What's going to make you different than somebody else 10 years from now? It's not going to be because you're satisfied with where you are. It's going to be because you recognize that this world has great need and he can use you to do amazing things for his glory and move in miraculous ways if you would just get before him and begin to beg him for his favor. I could tell you other stories that have happened in our ministry just recently. I'm not going to take time to do that because that's not the point. The point is you've got the Word of God that makes it clear that people who honored God were favored by God. And that's where God moved and that's where God worked. Would you bow your heads before Him this morning? Father, I ask that you would help us this morning to recognize that we do need you. Sometimes we get so much experience, so much practice, so much education, so much ability that we subtly and not even intentionally depend upon ourselves instead of our God. Lord, you're our portion. We recognize that. And we can ask you, based upon what your word says, we can ask you, we can beg you for your favor. But Lord, if we do, some adjustments need to be made. Lord, help us to do that. That you could use us to the fullness of your intent, not just in this final week here in this ministry, but over Christmas break as we go. Less accountability, but could be used mightily or fall significantly if we do not have you all over our lives. Help us to respond in obedience to you, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.